Hello, everyone, and welcome to the debut of the Cloud Security Alliance new podcast series, CSA Security Update. I'm your host, John DiMaria. CSA is the world's leading organization dedicated to defining and raising awareness of best practices to help ensure a secure cloud computing environment. We harness the subject matter expertise of industry, associations, governments, and members to offer the best in research, education, certification, events, and products. Hello, everyone, and I am John D. Maria, your host, and this is the debut of CSA's new podcast series. And what better way to kick it off than uh, have our CEO and co-founder, Jim Rivas. Jim, how are you? I'm doing very well, my friend. Uh, it's been uh, a long journey uh, at CSA and even before that, where we've uh, known each other. And uh, we've, uh, we're, I think we're older and wiser now. You're a little grayer, I'm a little <laughs> bolder, but uh, it's, uh, we've got a lot more. Yeah, work yeah, it's, it's, it's really good. Uh, we've known each other a long time, and now working together is pretty exciting. And uh, of course, I have. Uh, some challenges that we'll address today, uh, as you know, the cloud competing has come a long way. Uh, trust and transparency, unfortunately, still becoming an issue because it's it's really a challenge in a lot of cases of, you know, how much is enough and, uh, you know, where do we go with this? Uh, it's transparency. My estimation is a much, much abused uh, word these days in government circles. Uh, it seems to be both a promise and a dare. Uh, and as debate over healthcare and political atmosphere um, is put on display, it shows how it's possible to have too little transparency and, of course, too much at the same time, at least in a political context. So I guess to start off today, you know, let's talk about you know, what's the right balance that cloud uh, service providers, uh, you know, how did, how did, what, what helps them feel more comfortable, but at the same time satisfies users' continued thirst for more and more transparency? So when I think about the topic of uh, transparency, what uh, one image that pops into my mind is the, the Wizard of Oz, maybe that was as as a child where we get some of our first uh, forays into that transparency. If you remember, the the Wizard of Oz was actually this little man behind <laughs> the curtain, and he said, hey, don't pay attention. Don't pay attention to what you're, you're seeing. And, uh, you know, transparency in a higher stakes business perspective and even a political perspective there is a few areas where you have tension points. So when you think about cybersecurity specifically, from a cloud provider perspective, the tension between uh, the transparency and security is that you don't want to provide any information that you think will be advantageous to malicious attackers. That's the whole thing. You, you want to preserve your security best practices and the things that make the service as reliable and as good as possible. 
uh, pr protected. And so there is that sort of uh, tough debate on, on what that actually is. When you think about it from a couple different perspectives, from a individual uh, target of uh, a person that uh, has personally identifiable information, you you want to understand what's being done with your information and how it's protected, and to be sure that it is protected. And in in this world where we have so many powerful tools, and you hear about doxing of individuals and and breaches that cause their information to be released, whether accidentally or maliciously, that that loss of privacy is a huge sort of concern. And then from a consumer perspective, it's if it's an individual buying a service or it's a large enterprise buying a cloud service, they want to make their own judgments. And that's really, I think, an important part of how we figure this out. They want to understand do I believe that the way that the cloud provider analyzes their capabilities, their security capabilities, their SLA capabilities, do I think based on my own judgment, is it going to meet my needs? Is it going to be sufficient? And so when, when you, when you talk about this sort of balance to me, I think of it as it, as it has to be transactional. I think that if you, don't want to pay very much as a consumer for a service, then maybe your right to transparency is not as profound as if you are putting a lot of not only money, but faith into a cloud provider to give you a lot of information. So it's not, that means it's not going to be always be the same. And uh, I, I think that negotiation is something that well, it's, it's going to change over time. And, and we, so the, the things that we try to do at cloud security Alliance is to provide tools around this, where here's all the questions you can ask, like with our, our consensus assessment initiative questionnaire or cloud controls matrix or using our, our registry. Here's, here's a lot of information that's been voluntarily given and here's the the source tools so you can take it a step further if you need to ask more of those questions. And I, I think our view of this, I don't know if it's your view of it, but uh, John, but I, I think our, our ideas in putting this out there is to let market forces sort of create that um, negotiation, create that ability to say, yeah, this amount of information uh, should be given and, and necessarily not more. So the, the the types of information that's almost always okay are a lot of these governance issues that that speak to a lot of the policies. So do you uh, do regular assessments of the web applications using appropriate sorts of tools that do the right types of scanning and and look for the right sorts of vulnerabilities? Do you look at, you know, the OWASP uh, most recent uh, concerns, APIs or CSA top threats or other things? Do you do that sort of thing? It's it's not the same as saying, yes, we, we've run these scans and these are the exact vulnerabilities that we have that, that haven't been patched. That's obviously uh, not appropriate. So I think there's a lot of common sense, policy, governance, uh, availing yourselves of, state-of-the-art 
technologies for encryption and other things like that that create no risk for the provider. And it gives the consumer a lot more comfort that this is the right uh, level of information. Now, a lot of the uh, challenge with cloud is this, what I call the layered model and an inherited model of security. So if you go to the top three big, what we call the big cloud providers in the U.S. anyway, and you uh, look at what they do, they do a good job. But you, And you can go check this. You can go to our star registry and pick any of those big cloud providers, the Google, the Microsoft, the Amazon, go look at the security controls they have, and then go look at a business application that you want to use that resides within one of those clouds, and then go compare their star entry, their, their self-assessment there. And what you'll see is that the the SaaS application residing there, it's got to do the wide majority of the security controls. And there's there can be overlap where both those organizations need to do a lot of them. But that's where it gets uh, tricky that if you have one provider that's being transparent and they're residing on top of another provider that isn't, then you've got to go do some detective work to go figure that out. And, and those are the sorts of things that we think as we get more organizations using our tools and we come up with a few other innovations that piecing that together is going to be uh, appropriate. So, And you can use a lot of other uh, reference points like what are the regulations in my specific industry that I need to comply with, what are some other common standards, you can look at GDPR, you can look at other, a lot of other things and try to intuit and look to look at how those demands are being met. So so we think it's a good thing. We think that that transparency, it's also something with the, the this pervasive internet that we have and the technology that you just really can't get around it. It's it's a question of are you going to be voluntarily transparent or is it going to be forced transparency? And so uh, we think that's where it's going. I mean I, I think back to what Dan Gear said that the internet treats attempts to protect information as a routing error. So it's, it's not quite that <laughs> bad, but that's, yeah, so, so. Well, that's some of my initial thoughts on it. And I, I think we've built a marketplace mechanism, but I think this is, this is part of what we got to evangelize to get people to actually use it and buy in. And, and some of the biggest harms and Pete Cronus at Turner, he actually helped us write a paper that pointed some of this out that, that enterprises that try to rely too much on proprietary tools to make sure they get exactly what they feel the requirements are inside their organization, they actually do transparency a little bit of harm because then they're creating these one-off negotiated transactions of, of transparency and disclosure of security controls that no one else gets to benefit from. And so it may feel like the right thing to do in the short run, but it's not the best way to do it. I think the best way to do it is to use standard publicly available tools and repositories like CSA, and then then use some of that proprietary approach where you've got to uh, take it maybe to the last ten percent. For example. yeah, so I guess that I guess that almost answers the next question, and I was going to ask about trust, about you know saying that you're secure is one thing, being able to prove it is another. 
Um, and I think, I think pretty much, you know, what you described there is, you know, uh, building, building a little more trust, being able to show that, yes, we have these things in place and this is what we're doing proactively to ensure that, um, that we continue to stay compliant or we continue to be transparent and increase the assurance, um, of our, of our cloud service. Yeah, what what I think I would add to that is is the there's the assertions that a cloud provider will make. There's the assertions that a third party will make, like an auditor on on behalf of of themselves in an independent sense. And then I would say there's the assertions that the community makes. So. I, I think with transparency and one of the things we've sort of heard from some of the cloud providers that did what we call a level one self-assessment and CSA star is they actually sweat that out quite a bit because they knew there's the potential that anybody, including people in the media could be go looking at that and they didn't want to be ridiculed. And, but there is this expectation now. So it's not as though that's, that should be thought of as an inferior way to produce trust. You have to go look and see how seriously someone took it. So, and, and, and the community, I think over time is going to weigh in more and more and you're going to get that benefit of knowledge and have a lot of different people versus one specific chosen person blessing a, a exposure of the, cloud security controls of a given provider. So I think that's an interesting area where I think we're, we're going to see some, some ways of quantifying that in, in more formal manners beyond what's the very traditional third party, like the ISO certifications that you've spent a lot of time on or, or SOC 2 audits coming out of the, of the CPA community. So I think that's what I would add to the trust is, is over time we will want to see an an interesting and evolving and more intelligent mix of those trust brokers and those bodies that are telling us that yeah you can you can trust the level of transparency yeah and I think I think having said that uh, things that we're doing now in terms of uh, continuous uh, self assessments and, and working towards continuous uh, certification really says something when someone's willing to say, yeah, you know what? Something, I did change something in my system and this is why I changed it. And this is, you know, and, and, you know, whether we, we don't need it any longer or, or we decided to be more uh, preventive in our actions. So we improved the process or, or, you know, just, just, we've lowered the risk to the point where we don't need this control anymore or something. So I think it's important. I think it says, says a lot when someone's willing to make that statement through a, uh, like the star continuous, which uh, we just launched this year. So, so, so. <clears throat> yeah, I agree. So, so moving well. forward into uh, the more security challenges that are coming up, uh, such as 5G, which uh, seems to have now really uh, got off the ground. Uh, and, of course, with 5G comes more concerns of security because uh, of the operational openness uh, that it that it provides. And so 
I think about the subject of the blockchain that comes to the surface. And so as I understand it, <clears throat> blockchain is more decentralized. So instead of uploading data to the cloud server or storing it in a single location, blockchain breaks everything into small chunks and then distributes across uh, the entire network of the computer. So, uh, so this is, could be an answer to answering some of the 5g uh, security issues. Uh, so what, what is CSA doing to address this scenario? So one would expect as it grows, the tools such as the CCM controls star in general, go through some additional vetting or is it just an awareness situation? Well, it's, it's interesting to think about where these new technologies are going to take us. And if we can build upon things that we're doing at CSA and if other companies can do that, other industry players can, or are we going to have to create completely uh, new uh, new approaches to this. And so my view of this is I don't I don't know if I'm a real contrarian or if a lot of people agree, but there there are people, even people I think on our board of directors who, who I've heard say, hey, these things go in a centralized, decentralized way. And we have the mainframes, we have client server and and cloud seems like it taking us more in a centralized way and and 5g blockchain the cryptocurrencies it's all creating a very decentralized world and i see it more nuanced than that so if you go back to the the definition of cloud that nist did sort of simultaneous to our view the layered model was that the Five essential characteristics, the on-demand self-service, broad network access, resource pooling, rapid elasticity, measured service. None of that really defines a centralized compute model. It really isn't. And when you look at something like blockchain and this sort of how, how Bitcoin, probably the most popular application of it, has been something that in many cases has been storing the, the, the chain all over and, and computers all over the place. But you've actually also seen blockchain be implemented and a lot of cloud providers have the services to implement that. So how I, I see them sort of differently and, and, more conceptualized virtually. So for, for me, from, from the beginning, when I started CSA, I did not see cloud as sort of a centralized compute model as, as much as an orchestrated model. And we have standards around how you do that rapid elasticity, standards around how you do on-demand self-service and, and the metering of it. And yeah, in some points of fact, that did go on to larger and larger data centers. And now you're seeing a huge growth in cloud data centers all over the place. And you're seeing some of the bigger cloud providers are offering capabilities to run the services outside of the data centers on your own infrastructure. And so what I actually see is an intersection 
And this is what I'm starting to talk about in presentations, an intersection between cloud and blockchain that I think in some very profound ways is going to take a lot of the big tech concerns and concerns about massive databases and us losing privacy is we're actually going to take the best of both worlds and we're going to have this efficiency where you do need to have uh, databases uh, centrally located because there are there are concerns of physics. Blockchain is a the way it's often configured is a is a great way to have an extremely slow database. But if you combine blockchain and cloud, I think in the future we have this pro this possibility of having databases and social networks and healthcare transactions that are very efficient, that we benefit from metadata, big data sorts of information to do a lot of really cool data science analytics, but at the same time, preserve privacy and also have these very powerful audit trails to know when something was changed uh, by whom, uh, and, and by whom does not necessarily mean identifying someone, but by what authority something was changed. And I think that coming up with very intelligent ways to understand how these seemingly antithetical approaches and technologies actually work together and complement each other. I don't think a lot of people get that, but that's going to be the key way in how I think we move forward in the future in a very secure way that's also very empowering to individuals. And yeah, I mean, that's <clears throat> that's... That brings in even more challenges, that even though there seems to be some some answers there, as, as you just noted. I mean, it, there could be there's some some challenges there that people have to deal with and it's going to cause some some confusion. And, and of course, with 5G uh, itself uh, and these operational challenges, while blockchain seems to be a answer, um, we're already seeing the growing of more and more uh, requirements and regulations and standards that are coming out uh, for specifically that. And I'm just curious, I mean, so we're trying to build, you know, um, as you know, we're, we're trying to build this integrated approach, uh, less complexity, uh, so to speak, uh, to increase to increase security. And so this integrated approach with CSA star, we're kind of evolving into this, the multi-party recognition framework where we're having reciprocatory agreements with standards owners um, that the uh, CCM approach is really um, acceptable in terms of the mapping. So you're really working on deltas instead of working on each individual silo of regulatory requirements. So, cause you know, more and more the, the intense c complexity that happens um, even just today, in some cases is detrimental to what you're trying to uh, achieve. So how do you see, um, I mean, do you see uh, in, in your eyes, um, uh, do you see this, the, the multi-party recognition framework I mean, how do you see that growing in terms of uh, helping organizations juggle this in incredible list of requirements? Well, I think I, I, I certainly think that 
CSA needs to raise the bar on, on what we do and what we expect from the volunteer community and others who work with us on, on research. So I, I do continue to have what was an original vision that we can look to cloud controls matrix and it mapping to a increasing number of different standards and regulations as this sort of decoder ring capability to enable this sort of multi-party recognition framework where we can look at what's the 80% similarities and how can we build towards a standard that might be a national cloud security standard be something that is compatible with an organization, a cloud provider that got CSA star certification, that that can be accepted. I think that if we do a better job and and bi-directional mappings, I know is something that people talk about more where you got to look at how they, you have, where you have the gaps in both directions between cloud security alliance, CCM and the others. But I think that the, the pace with which technology is changing is going to, we're going to reach a breaking point where entities that are maybe their, their governmental entities or some regulatory bodies are going to throw their hands up at some point and say that we can't keep up. And whether it's CSA or some other bodies that provide this ability to uh, help you translate between one security requirement and another, I think that that's, that's going to need to happen. There, there's just going to be a necessity when you're changing things so often. And I think we'll just reach this point that the, the different participants in that ecosystem are, are going to be clear and, and say, hey, we, we are going to accept other uh, compatible frameworks, but what we are are never going to give up is really that authoritative stance to say that here are the consequences of compliance or non-compliance, and here is the scope of industry, of geography, of legal jurisdiction that we're responsible for. So I think we'll reach that point, and so uh, and then where blockchain, I think, is going to fit in is it's it's going to be this this IT audit ledger that you're going to look at from internal audit, security administrators, changing controls, external audit, regulatory bodies, where they're going to see this whole chain and understand where the changes were made, what the current state is, and be able to make decisions more rapidly. So it's really going to enable that. So. So we, we all got to work on this together. We, we've got to go get continuous where it needs to be. We've got to go get our mappings where they need to be. And this will, will take a while, but it's just, it's hard for me to fathom that any entity today that wants to regulate uh, security controls in cloud is going to have the resources for the intention. Yeah, I think that's, that's, and that makes the case for the holistic approach of people, process, and technology, not just technology, that it is a holistic approach to all these things we talked about, you know, blockchain and the, and the mappings and continuous auditing and, and the multi-party recognition. I think all those things have to work together uh, to really 
to really make it happen. Um, so I'm gonna now I'm gonna get to get to the question that I think a lot of our members ask and a lot of potential members um, ask is that you know CSA is experiencing some real exponential growth, um, as is the trust in CSA. The, the trust is growing in our research as well. And of course, that comes with a lot of responsibilities. So, you know, what's on the horizon and, you know, how can the average person uh, get involved, whether you're a cloud service provider or whether you're a cloud user, you know, how can everyone, you know, we, as I mentioned at the beginning, you know, we get involved a lot of industry associations, just about any, you know, any, any, any way that we can increase our intelligence and move forward. How can that average person get involved to help ensure that the work that we're doing is, is relevant to them? Well, I, I have been very heartened by the uh, increase in adoption and reference and support for Cloud Security Alliance's best practices over the years. And, and we do grow quite a bit year after year. And we're actually on track to, to break some records, not only in the size, but in just the pace of growth in the organization. And we're, as a nonprofit, we just plow that back into hiring more people, launching more research initiatives. It's, it's really for us, the core of this is having this foundation of research into best practices that we can go operationalize out in the industry through things like the STAR program. So what, what we're doing is we're, we're looking at a few of these key areas. We, we've got a couple of very exciting blockchain proof of concept sorts of projects to actually nail down some architectural things. The first project is uh, open CPEs, which we're, creating sort of a, what I'd call a pseudo cryptocurrency to ma measure security knowledge. We're, we're just getting started in some artificial intelligence research and, and our first uh, whack at uh, DevSecOps and, and some, some really good containerization research to, to really look at the scale side of this and the automation side and how we can do things there. Um, we're, we're getting chapters. So we've got about 100 chapters around the world. We're getting chapters more involved in letting them actually uh, create their own charters for research under our guidance or even collaborate with our, our central research group. So the, the research itself is something that anyone around the world, because we do have this sort of grassroots view, it's our heritage to say any one person out there might have a very disruptive transformational idea that we want to have access to. So, so we, we are definitely doing more through the chapters to actually canvas and encourage greater participation to help uncover a lot more of those very important ideas. We are doing, as I said, more sort of investment into different types of Skunkworks types of projects to prove out where we need to go, where we think, where we think the industry needs a push, and we haven't seen some of that coming out uh, from 
from some of the regular volunteer constituents. We're doing a little bit of that. And, and we listen a lot to our members. So our, our members are just so broad in terms of a lot of end users, financial institutions, pretty much any sector, transportation, manufacturing, of all, almost all of the cloud providers, the information security industry, the audit assurance world. So, so we're trying to do more to get them all represented in every single project. And for the corporate members that are actually helping fund and support this, we give them some special dispensation to actually share some of the research. And we spend a little bit more time sort of picking their brains on, on what they think we need to do to accelerate uh, some of that roadmap. So, so anyone, if you're a member, corporate member, or you're just volunteering, or you're a member of a chapter, you can come to our website, you can come to the research pages, you can sign up for the different research projects. You can reach out if you're a corporate member to your membership points of contact and you can set up some briefings so we can have a deeper discussion on what you think we should be doing. But we think a lot of the answers are out there. We think we've actually developed a lot of research that provides some some really good answers. But uh, accelerating that research, looking at this sort of big picture of how we, we scale this out with IoT and 5G and new tools with blockchain and how they are going to change. The The thing is that I'm learning is that the people who've been really successful in cloud is they didn't do the lift and shift. They did not only native built of applications, but actually very native thinking about cloud security programs and, and what agile security means here. And so I think this next step, if we call it cloud 2.0, cloud 3.0, oh, thinking of it, thinking of the world much more virtually and instead of centralized versus decentralized. I think that that sort of, uh, that sort of step is, is how we need to be sort of governing how we move forward in, in our research and what we do. And this is going to continue to be a big 10 approach and, and the more partnerships, the better. And, and I, I think we're going to continue to see that sort of thing. So we're, we're just expecting a, a, Continued growth, a pretty bright future. We consider ourselves to be very open to new ideas and very pragmatic, and we're not going to hold on to any approach we have that outlives its purpose. And we're going to take that sort of spirit as we endeavor here in in securing people's journey to to. Cloud yeah, I have to say it's really exciting online. having industry and more and more industry involved because they're the ones out in the trenches and out in the street, and they drive the agenda. And really help us to, you know, sort of solve tomorrow's problems today, and uh, which is where you need to be. Uh, and uh, and you're right, total open mindedness, uh, total, you know, total openness um, to whatever needs to happen. And I think that's what makes makes our research uh, uh, so so valuable uh, to everyone out there. So um, so pretty exciting stuff. Um, so we got some, uh, great, uh, new episodes. We talk about complexity. I think, uh, Dr. Um, uh, Ron Ross is going to be with us. I think in the next episode, talk about complexity and of course the 800 160, which was written specifically for that. 
Um, so uh, that should be pretty exciting. And we got some other great episodes uh, coming up as well uh, with some of our members and the technology that's out there. So this was a great kickoff. Um, I hope everyone's uh, enjoying it, uh, is going to enjoy it. And, uh, you know, looking forward to having you on again sometime, uh, Jim, but I know you're, you're busy and getting ready to, for a long travel itinerary. So I really appreciate you coming on and uh, we'll definitely, uh, definitely be having you on again. So thanks again. Well, thanks, John. It's been just, it's been wonderful uh, knowing you through the many years and you're just so widely respected in the industry and really humbled the fact that you uh, agreed to join Cloud Security Alliance after your uh, great illustrious career over at uh, BSI. And now you can add a <laughs> superstar to your uh, CV. So on continuing with the podcast and yeah, I'm, I'm happy. Yeah, now I got to live up to what you just said. So <laughs> thanks for that. That's all public. <laughs> so appreciate it. Appreciate it. Safe travels. And we'll talk to you again. Okay, bye. All right. Take care, John.